1: Welcome back. Tuesday, February 21st, 2023. Our phone number is 602 960 That's 602-5080-960. Anything on your mind. The text we shall begin with today comes from George Orwell. His book, 1984, which many of us thought was a dystopian novel, only to find out it has been converted into a policy and procedure manual for our times. In his book, he writes eerily, quote, By 2050, earlier probably, all real knowledge of old-speak will have disappeared. The whole literature of the past will have been destroyed. Chaucer, Shakespeare, Milton, Byron, they'll exist only in new-speak versions, not merely changed into something different, but actually changed into something contradictory of what they used to be. Now hold that thought just a moment. The storyline from the elites for the past year and a half or so, whether from the ladies on The View or Governor Newsom in California or Vice President Kamala Harris or karen Jean Pierre or just yesterday, Mayor Eric Adams of New York, their storyline is that Governor Ron DeSantis and the state of Florida want to engage in and create a state of censorship. The charge for two reasons. One, Governor DeSantis did not think the neo-Marxist violence supporting narrative Black history should be taught at the exclusion of other inclusive and settled history that at the exclusion part is important in the AP lesson plan at issue in Florida. It excluded all narratives and scholarship except left wing politicalized and Marxist literally self-admitted Marxist renderings and revisions of history. And then, two, Governor DeSantis did not think it appropriate for five-year-olds to be sexualized with age-inappropriate content in their public schools that would have been considered child pornography just a decade ago. Now, for this kind of adult supervision, DeSantis gets defamed, taunted, and caricatured as someone who bans books and engages in censorship and revisionism. He is no more engaging in censorship than one might be accused of engaging in censorship and book banning by saying, sorry, KKK books and movies don't belong in our public schools. He is no more engaging in censorship than is it an attack on capitalism to say you can't sell or distribute cigarettes on public school grounds where we at least used to think the lungs of our children were as worthy as the protection of their brains was Bill Clinton engaging in censorship and revisionism when he got a standing ovation in 1996 at the State of the Union address when he said the following, quote, Parents should be able to screen out programs they believe are inappropriate for their children. When parents control what their young children see, that's not censorship. That is enabling parents to assume more personal responsibility for their children's upbringing. And I urge them to do it. I challenge the broadcast industry to do what movies have done to identify your programming in ways that help parents to protect their children. And I invite I invite the leaders of major media corporations in the entire entertainment industry to come to the White House to work with us in a positive way on concrete ways to improve what our children see. I'm ready to work with you. Close quote. Standing ovation. Okay. That's all just my setup. So this week, we learned that the famous children's author, Roald Dahl, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, would be probably the book most of you know, there are others, he's having his books revised, changed, what he wrote in them, except he's not doing it. He passed away a few years back. His publisher and estate and an outside organization dedicated to doing this sort of thing, who knew it existed, they're doing it. Quoting the CNN story on this, and I quote, it has now emerged that current editions of Roald Dahl's books, published by Puffin, feature the following wording at the bottom of the copyright page. Words matter. The wonderful words of Roald Dahl can transport you to different worlds and introduce you to the most marvelous characters. This book was written many years ago, and so we regularly review the language to ensure that it can continue to be enjoyed by all today. Close quote. The wonderful words. They'll continue to review. And Change. They go on. Our revisions have been worked on by sensitivity readers from an organization called Inclusive Minds, which describes itself as a collective for people who are passionate about inclusion, diversity, equality, and accessibility in children's literature and are committed to changing the face of children's books. In a lengthy report published on Saturday... British newspaper Daily Telegraph revealed that it had found hundreds of changes across the author's many children's books. Close analysis by its journalists revealed that language relating to gender, race, weight, mental health, and violence had been cut or rewritten. This included removing words such as fat and ugly, as well as descriptions using the colors black and white. Journalists working on the piece found 59 changes in his book The Witches Alone, with hundreds more discovered in Dahl's other popular books, such as Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Matilda. The long and short here, his books are being rewritten. Let me repeat that more clearly. The author's books are being rewritten without his permission by people, not him. Changed, if I may borrow from Orwell again, into something contradictory of what they used to be right out of 1984. Now, Where are the ladies of The View? Where's Gavin Newsom? Where's Mayor Adams? Where's Kamala Harris? Where are the critics of DeSantis for ersatz attacks on his history revisionism in light of actual live, complete, unauthorized by the author, ultra virus censorship and revisionism? All wait. The silence you hear is and will be continued silence because the left isn't against revisionism and censorship. They are for it. And they are for it, just as George Orwell warned of it. You don't need to burn books, as Ray Bradbury warned against, when you can just change them. The group, by the way, that outside group that's made a profession of doing this, it's called Inclusive Minds. They were hired to do this rewriting. And on their website, which I urge you to take a look at if this interests you, it says, quote, Every child should be able to find themselves in books, so mainstream books need to represent every child. Close quote. So they won't engage new authors to write new books. They'll just take their censor's pen to the old books. And soon you find the other part of George Orwell's 1984, where he writes, quote, every record has been destroyed or falsified. Every book has been rewritten. Every picture has been repainted. Every statue and street and building has been renamed. Every date has been altered. And the process continues day by day, minute by minute, and history has stopped. Close quote. We aren't just in education wars anymore, which, again, are wars that we did not seek or ask for. But one side would make war rather than let the nation survive, and the other would accept war rather than let it perish. And the war came, if I can borrow from Abraham Lincoln. We are in the entire concept of the written word wars now. When it comes to our American history, we could look at the 1619 Project, now with a feature series on Hulu, and cite to George Orwell's line, Quote, already we know almost literally nothing about the revolution and the years before the revolution. Nothing exists except an endless present in which the party, capital P, is always right. Close quote. That's a haunting and frightening line, isn't it? But interestingly, it was, as I say, 1984, written as fiction. Of course, it was predictive and descriptive, but it was meant as fiction with a warning of what was being observed by Orwell of the Stalin regime. Contrarily, Vaclav Havel, writing about 30 years later from prison in real life under a regime of real existence in many of our lifetimes, would write about those who imprisoned him in Czechoslovakia in terms that are non fiction, descriptive and predictive. But again, nonfiction. It's amazing to me how close this descriptive quote maps to the nightmare of George Orwell's fiction. Quote from Havel, because the regime is captive to its own lies, it must falsify everything. It falsifies the past. It falsifies the present and it falsifies the future. It falsifies statistics. It pretends not to possess an omnipotent and unprincipled police apparatus. It pretends to respect human rights. It pretends to persecute no one. It pretends to fear nothing, it pretends to pretend nothing. But it of course does, as the sixteen nineteen project does, as rich as as critical race theory in our schools does, as the editors of Rawl Dahl do. Here's the thing, where our children's history books used to be written by giants in academia and scholarship. They were all liberal, but they were giants. Our kids needed to be weaponized against their country, or at least against their country's claims to some levels of achievement and decency. And evidently, great literature needs to be rewritten to soothe feelings rather than just exist and let us simmer in the way it improved our minds and imaginations that got us to this point of advancement in the first place. And so too many of our children get nonsense taught by teachers who know little, if any better from the likes of Nicole Hannah-Jones, the inventor of the 1619 Project. Try this on, so you know who's teaching your children. Appearing on a podcast with Ezra Klein in 2019, Hannah-Jones promoted Cuba as a country with a, quote, viable and sufficiently ambitious integration agenda, close quote, due primarily to socialism. Here's her quote. Quote, but in places that are truly at least biracial countries, Cuba actually has the least inequality. And that's largely due to socialism, which I'm sure no one wants to hear. Close quote. That's your author of the 1619 Project, Hannah Jones. She previously wrote an article in the Oregonian in 2008, where she boasted that Cuba had a very high literacy rate, a low HIV infection rate, universal education, and a model universal healthcare system that assisted Black Cubans. All of this has been thoroughly debunked. The healthcare and the biracialism. I only recently was quoting scholars, by the way, on the problems with civil rights in Cuba. Never mind the virulent and obscene racism of its founder, Che Guevara. Well, they aren't really as racist as Che Guevara anymore, you may say. Fine. Happy to hear it. He died the year before I was born. Any effort, though? Any any thought at all? Any effort whatsoever because of his racism? to to change the dates and his words or writings or speeches to denounce Cuba? Of course not, because he was anti-American, so he won't go through the updating, the censorship, the rewriting that Roald Dahl went through. Denounce America from 250 years ago, praise Cuba from 60 years ago, and while America got things right and people are still giving their eye teeth to get out of Cuba... Maybe that would be instructive to some point or other. But no, because nothing is so blinding as ideology. Elon Musk got into trouble for allowing more speech, not less, and censoring less speech, not more. Censoring and revising should have to pass very high tests, what in the law is known as a compelling interest, which doesn't seem quite high enough linguistically. Deleting a great author's words and changing them posthumously should have to pass a very much higher test, so high it cannot ever actually be cleared. But it's happening with ease and routine right now, without any pang of conscience, with high and mighty self-righteousness, so that we now live in a world where the harder thing, and seemingly the hardest thing to do, is the most important, which is to delete junk thought. Well, as I say, hashtag M-O-F-A, make Orwell fiction again. There goes Ryman Simon. Yeah, it is uh, Mardi Gras today, right? Fat Tuesday. And uh, tomorrow uh, commences, of course, the Lenten season. Uh, so we wish all a... a. Uh, never know what to... Exactly the the, the best words, healthy. A healthy Lenten season, I think. Right? I think. Uh, You can't go wrong with healthy. Um, And if there's something better or more appropriate, please do let me know. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about um, Biden's trip to Ukraine and Pete Buttigieg's, now just announced, 18 days after the fact, trip to East Palestine. And everything kind of in the valence between those two stories Uh, and I'll do it in a moment or in a few moments. Um, There's a lot to say and a lot to unpack. And it's, I don't even know why you need to go after 18 at this point. Why, why, why even bother? Why, why even bother? Um, But just to finish up that last thought from my monologue, there's another element that hadn't occurred to me about revising a book the way they are doing with Roald Dahl. By the way, let me give you an example or two of of these revisions. They're not all what you would think are natural revisions, by the way. Let me give you something from his book, The Witches. The original says this. Don't be foolish, my grandmother said. You can't go around pulling the hair of every lady you meet, even if she's wearing gloves. Just you try it and see what happens. Sound offensive to you? Does that need revising? Here's the revision. Don't be foolish, my grandmother said. Besides, there are plenty of other reasons why women might wear wigs, and there is certainly nothing wrong with that. Right. Right. Let me give you another one. Here's the original from The, the Witches. Even if she is working as a cashier in a supermarket or typing letters for a businessman. Okay, that's the original. What they change it to? Even if she is working as a top scientist or running a business. It's a different meaning. Want one more? This one takes the cake. It's from Matilda. She went on olden day sailing ships with Joseph Conrad. She went to Africa with Ernest Hemingway and to India with Rudyard Kipling. Okay. Maybe you'll learn a little something from that. You want to know what they changed it to? She went to 19th century estates with Jane Austen. She went to Africa with Ernest Hemingway and California With John Steinbeck. It's a totally different meaning. You think they'll change the Rudyard Kipling poem, If, and then you'll be a person, my child, instead of you'll be a man, my son? You think they'll change if to when? Maybe the title will change. Maybe the whole poem will change. But anyway, the point I, I. Aside from the asininity of it. Think about this, too, and it just, it just, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, Bill has a new ending for the usual suspects. Kaiser Soze says, I respect all people and confesses. Yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah, just change everything. Um, I bet they don't change the devil to a she and a he. Just, no, I bet they don't. I bet they don't. Um yeah, this other thing. What if you were trying to read the original or wanted to read the original in order to write about it or to quote it? You know, I often quote a couple different authors. I guess you could call them classic now, even though they're from the twentieth century. I love I love quoting from the great Gatsby as one. It's one of these books I, I just love quoting from and I and I love quoting quoting from Catcher in the Rye and a few others. I mean, yeah, we can do older than that, but those are just some I like to. Can you imagine what it would be like to use quotes from those books or this one that just aren't true anymore because the books have been rewritten? What if you wanted to do an essay on, on something you read as a child? You read The Witches, let's say, or Matilda, and you had one of those lines in your mind and you went to go quote it and you had a new copy of it. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. The party is always right. Capital P. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. John Dombrowski is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. Grandcanyonplanning.com is his website. And he has his own radio show you can uh, catch here every Saturday morning at 7 a.m., the word on wealth, and grandcanyonplanning.com. It's a fun website, also a great way to get in touch with him. John, how are you today? Fantastic, Seth. How you doing? I am doing just fine. Thank you, sir. Happy Mardi Gras.
2: Yeah, happy Mardi Gras. And also, I think uh, it was on this date back in 72 that uh, President Nixon went to China for talks. And there's all this talk about China. You yeah. Know? And this was the kind of the
1: opening of that relationship. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So, Good for uh, you. Yeah. Nicely done. Interesting. The Dow's taking it in the shorts today. Mm. Ouch. Yes, yeah. it certainly has. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It was a little little bit of a rocky day today. And, you know, we talked about this yesterday, yes, so we did. We we're a little ahead of the curve yes, on this, we right? Yes, we were.
1: Yes, we were.
2: Uh, and uh, it seems like uh, interest rates uh, being pushed quite a bit higher in, in this short period of time, ahead of even what the Fed uh, is going to be coming out with once they speak. Uh, and this is all uh, based on some of the economic uh, indicators that we did get over the past week with uh, employment, unemployment, and also retail sales. Housing, of course, a little bit slower than expected, which is uh, one of the bigger declines, which is part of, I think, of what the Fed is trying to do, again, slowing down uh, housing, which, again, will help hopefully affect you know, the bottom line on inflation.
1: Yeah, so in looking at these rates, does it give us any hint and clue too as to growth and where where we might have concerns that uh, that might be considered recessionary? Well, I think any anything that uh, would come to borrowing, you know,
2: yeah. any, anywhere where people or companies have to borrow money, this is what's going to be affected yeah. uh, as rates continue to climb. Uh, a lot of these tech companies that that grow by um, you know by reinvesting in their business. Yeah. Uh, these are probably companies that are going to get hit the most. And we did see that the NASDAQ was down almost uh, what yep. two and a half percent today. Yep. Yep. Uh, the Dow was down a little over two and the NAS, uh, the S and P was down 2%. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that is probably uh, an area potentially that has the biggest risk. But as always, uh, when we look at technology, technology stocks always have, uh, or have had in the past, the biggest reward when, when uh, the markets begin to turn around. So, Uh, But it's going to be a little bit of a challenge for companies to navigate through this, those growth-oriented companies. Those steady income earners, you know, uh, those uh, energy companies and some of these, you know, consumer staples uh, companies right now, those things that people are going to buy because they need them, uh, those may have a little bit of a less, uh, you know – Volatile path mm-hmm. moving forward for now.
1: Although it does look like uh, stores like Walmart and Home Depot mm-hmm. are probably going to have uh, have to retool some of their prices too. Yeah, right. They
2: they, they came out today uh, with some you know lower lower lower, lower prospects earnings, yeah. for yeah. earnings and uh, for uh, their forecasting. Uh, they don't believe they're going to have all that great of a year moving forward, uh, and that they're seeing it a pullback in the spending from the consumer. You know, on these are the home improvement things. People maybe are going to say, you know what, we can wait. We don't have to remodel the kitchen right now. We don't have to redo the landscaping. We don't have to, uh, you know, put in new whatever, light fixtures. Well, we that will
1: certainly change growth numbers too, that won't it? That will.
2: It will absolutely affect uh, a lot of the areas of retail across the board. Same with clothing. You know, I mean, are we going to go out to these mm-hmm. uh, high price stores? You know, it's interesting, though, when you look at some of the higher – Uh, end items in um, retail and clothing and so forth those don't necessarily get affected as much as uh, maybe some of the the lower end items yeah Uh, you know louis vuitton is an example yeah those areas yeah they don't seem to get affected that much maybe the stock price would fall if the general market does fall but um you know overall a lot of times these Uh, Higher end companies still keep their sales uh, moving forward. And that is because obviously a a pullback in the stock market doesn't necessarily affect someone in
1: a higher income
2: uh, area than it would. Yeah, I think
1: they kind of knew what was happening during COVID when they saw those huge increases in sales Mm -hmm. in a way that in a weird way that maybe peloton didn't plan for you've been reading about uh, that yes. right yeah You're right odd I mean, that they didn't though yeah, odd yeah. that they didn't mm-hmm. see that the end of covid would come at some point you know right?
2: docu-sign was another one today yeah a right flyer right. during covid
1: now yeah. uh zoom video another yeah. one these yeah. all
2: they grew so fast yeah uh, that they really didn't manage that growth uh, with the Understanding that, hey, this isn't going to go on yeah, forever. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Some sometimes the music stops. Yeah, <laughs> you <laughs> don't you. want to be left standing. <laughs> no, right? right. The last one. <laughs> yeah, or sitting on a bike. Okay, right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Sure. Securities
2: and advisory services offered through Creative One Securities LLC, a member of FINRA and and investment advisor. Grant Canyon Planning Associates LLC and Creative One Securities LLC are not affiliated. We'll talk tomorrow, Seth. You thank got you. it, John. Be Bye-bye.
1: well. I'm Seth. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero six zero two fifty eighty nine sixty. Anything on your mind? I am finding your mind. I am having a hard time finding the right words uh, or descriptors for this kind of advancing phenomenon we are seeing more and more, where anything we don't like, politically or I guess personally or professionally. So I guess that's the world. Anything we don't like. We just throw around the term racism or a violation of a commitment to things like diversity uh, or equity or inclusion. The three horsemen of our apocalypse these days, DEI. I don't mean to be insulting to uh, religious concerns on that, but they seem to be stalking us uh, quite Quite fast right now, quite rapidly, uh, right now in 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 our temporal realm, um, where you just throw those allegations around about things that have nothing to do with diversity, equity, inclusion. They have nothing to do with sexism. They have nothing to do with racism. It's 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 an odd use of our language, and naturally, we say or want to say it's a weaponization of our language. Perhaps it's a weaponization of those words. We need something. Stronger. It's certainly inapt, and it certainly doesn't match. In law, there's this notion that you don't have standing to go to court or to make your claim in equity if you don't meet a test known as redressability, which is to say, is what you're asking the court to do going to fix the problem that you're coming to court with. So you know, I mean, you can the mind could go wild, but if I'm if I'm asking the court to uh, Help solve the ice problem in the driveway that approaches my office or front yard. I can't get a court order to stop Bill from ever leaving his house to go to work that it doesn't match a redressability test it's it's an absurdity if you're asking for a the question is will it lead you if you're if you're if you're wanting to get to C and you're asking for a does a lead you to B and does B get you to C? That's the issue of it in law. And so it seems it should have some bearing in our conversations about everything we do. I, I was thinking about it. I just saw this story, Amazon, which I would have thought was a fairly, shall we say, woke company. It's a Jeff Bezos company. It's, a, it, it, it's, it's certainly on the front lines of, of wokeness. So the um, they are now requiring a new return to work policy. Uh, this this is really interesting. The CEO, Andy Jassy, like every major company, they they had work from home policies in place for COVID. And now some of these companies are saying we need to revisit these. Elon Musk got in a whole lot of trouble when he made the demand that employees come to work something like, what was it, a minimum of three times a month or something like that? A little less than once a week was my memory of it. And the employees got up in arms and he said, well, you're free not to work here. No one's forcing you to work here. And he he, he, inherited, he inherited all kinds of criticism. Let's see how much you hear about the criticism that will be leveled at Amazon for the policy that says employees should come, get this, three times a week. Three times a week. Employees are rising up. Will it make a lot of news? Why are they rising up? What is the demand of them coming to work three times a week violate? Quoting from the story at CNBC, it runs contrary to the employees say it runs contrary to Amazon's position on diversity, inclusion, affordable housing, sustainability, and focusing on being the Earth's best employer. What the H does asking your employees to come to work three times a week? have to do with the diversity and inclusion. Honestly, honestly, we just throw these terms around now thinking it'll answer any question or substitute for any allegation we can't make with actual reasoning, with actual fact. I don't quite understand the connection to affordable housing or sustainability, And this interesting thing about and focus on being the Earth's best employer, we went through a revolution in law and employment law, particularly in the 1970s, starting in the early 1970s, where the notion that you held or you could hold a property right in your job became became more and more legally usable, more and more legally sound that 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 people could claim a, a, a property right into their employment it was it was a, it was a big big debating point and, and and a lot of courts adopted various notions of it but we've traveled quite a long way where any time you don't like what your bosses are doing it's no longer enough for you to either comply or find work elsewhere but to say they're violating my rights for working for a company that claims to be the Earth's best employer. Earth's best employer. Earth's best employer. Who gets to define that? I suppose it is a match, and it's always going to have to be a match. But let's not get Seinfeldian on this, shall we? Do you remember the Lloyd Bridges episodes where there was these fights with T-shirts over world's number one grandfather, world's number one granddad, world's best granddad? And people like Lloyd Bridges threw his back out in fighting because Jerry's dad had a world's number one and he had world's best and world's best is better than world number one. And Jerry couldn't take it anymore. And at one point he had to say, I just don't know how official these ratings really are. You remember this, Bill? There you are. Rankings. Yeah, I don't know how official any of these rankings really are. Earth's best employer. But regardless, the more serious point is. Not that we're turning employees at a certain generational level into whiners and complainers, which is its own problem. And I don't want to lump everyone in to a certain generation because we all know obvious exceptions and great exceptions to the general rule on that or at least the general observation. But the notion that requiring your employees to actually show up at work and not even five days, I guess we're getting rid of the five-day work week. That's just going to not apply to anyone anymore except perhaps to Bill and me and a few of our friends. But the idea that asking an employee to come work three days a week from a policy that was only changed two years ago in a public health emergency about what we – and talk about, too, is a violation of Amazon's or any company's positions on diversity and inclusion. It's going to be an awfully long life we're all going to have and an awfully hard life. We're all going to have if every time someone doesn't like something for any reason whatsoever, mostly inconvenience and laziness, the allegation is going to be it's a violation of diversity and inclusion. A lot of you have been hearing me talk about Y-Refi for a while now, and if you still have questions about what it is uh, like to invest with them, they would happily put you in touch with any number any number of their uh, very ha- happy and satisfied customers in the Phoenix area who have invested with them and have done really very, very well. Their phone number is 888-Y-Refi-34. That's 888-Y-Refi-34. Uh, would you like your IRA to be earning strong? Fixed interest rates? How is your IRA doing? Would you like it to be earning strong fixed interest rates and not be dependent on the stock market or the Fed? Did you know you can invest with Y refi through an IRA or other qualified funds and you can keep your investment, including the high fixed interest rates you earn? Tax deferred. That's right. Your money can stay in your IRA and you don't have to pay taxes on the income you earn. InvestYRefi.com is the phrase. Uh, Excuse me, (laughs) I'm looking at the wrong (laughs) Is the website? InvestYRefi.com. I'll make it a phrase. All the better. You can check them out at invest, the letter Y, R E F Y.com, or give them a call at 888 YRefi34. I heard a lot of debate back and forth, and a bunch of people were calling me today about Joe Biden's visit to Ukraine. Curious on any of your thoughts. Um, And. I listened to some of what Hugh Hewitt was arguing. I listened to some of what Mike Gallagher was arguing and some of our other hosts on what I like to call our faculty. There is a division of opinion. And it's, 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 it all needs, I think, a somewhat more comprehensive view in that division of opinion, if you will. And, and I'd like to talk more about that with you all as well. I can't do it in this short segment. But what Scott Johnson wrote at Powerline today is surely correct. He writes, I'm not sure the Biden administration has this particular venture fully scoped out. The Putin factor is particularly unpredictable. Reuters concisely reports today, quote, President Vladimir Putin on Tuesday delivered a nuclear warning to the West over Ukraine, suspending a bilateral nuclear arms control treaty, announcing new strategic systems have been put on combat duty and warning that Moscow could resume nuclear tests, close quote. Scott ponders, is the weakening of our own strategic position relative to China an extra added attraction? China has taken Biden's measure and found him wanting. One fears that our fellow citizens will arrive at this destination too late. There's a lot wrapped up in all of this. And as I was speaking with some friends today, this might be one of the most delicate situations we've ever been in and most complex perhaps since the Cuban Missile Crisis. And we'll talk a little bit more about that too. I'm Seth. We'll be right back.